So first of all, would you mind telling us a little bit about the book, a little intro, if you will? Uh, the intro to my book? Um, <clears throat> it's a, a teen novel. It's about, uh, uh, it's called King Dork, and uh, the main character who is the King Dork of the book is 14 uh, in 10th grade, and he has some uh, uh, misadventures in the in the high school multiverse. Hates the catcher in the rye, tries to discover the secret of his father's mysterious death and to attracting semi-hot girls. It's an important thing to learn. Why did you decide to write a book of young adult fiction? Um, it, well, you know, I... The, the reason why I, why I decided to write it all was because it was suggested to me by an agent. Um, it never would have occurred to me that, um, uh, to, it never would have occurred to me to do it on my own. I never fancied myself a writer. But the, this guy was a fan of my band when he was a kid and he grew up, got a real job and became a literary agent and he said, contacted me and I, I blew him off for quite a while because I didn't really take it seriously but he said uh, he was thinking I guess because he knew my songs he thought maybe this guy could write a, a novel because the uh, songs are so overwritten maybe I don't know <laughs> and uh, and so you know then I that's why I um, I started writing and it, it he he wanted a YA novel that was like you know a good a good there was a good market for that at the time as there is now and uh but but it it is no one who hears that i have written a novel is surprised that it is a, a that it's teen fiction because uh it, it just makes it's very it makes a lot of sense with my in the context of you know my songwriting and stuff which is you know these sort of arrested adolescent angst you know rock and roll is teenage music anyway so it kind of all makes sense. It all worked out. It was just a lot of different uh, things that came together in a weird way because, you know, two years ago I never even imagined that the way that it would come together would be a novel, but that's how it happened. Why do you think that that sort of character of sort of disaffected youth or teen angst or arrested development is so popular? I think that there's something really cool about it. It's... um uh, it is a, I mean, the, that feeling that you are uh, not uh, that that everyone is involved in some kind of conspiracy against you, and that you are not going to be allowed to win, and that all of the the prizes go to the the meanest and the dumbest people. I think everybody has a sense of that to some degree, even the mean and the dumb people. And um, I think that uh, when you the, when you see it depicted uh, either in a movie or a TV show or a book, you it's just in, in immediately uh, easy to identify with. Um, I, what's the, there's some quote from Kurt Vonnegut where he says that high school is the only sole American experience, something like that. I don't know if it's the only one, but it's really it's it's true that when you talk about uh, having trouble in high school, every person will their will their attention will uh, you know they'll they'll perk up a little bit. Their interest will be aroused, even if they've seen it a thousand times. Although it's it's even better if it's some if it's a version of it that you haven't seen a thousand times. Yeah. Geeks was like that. Yeah. Why do you think almost everyone can identify with this? Because if you ask anyone in college, you know, everybody comes to college and decides they're going to be cool or whatever. No, everyone will say that they were a geek. No one will say that they That's were popular, right. but know. some of them must have been. You, you know what? You, that is such a good point um, because, yes, if you do the math, it's just not possible <laughs> that, that every single person was an outcast. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, like, but it, it's, I mean, that, that is a, there are so many levels on which you could consider that question because I think, uh, honestly, part of the, of the of it is due to things like the catcher in the rye or particularly the catcher in the rye <laughs> as sort of romanticizing uh, uh the the adolescent outsider to the point where it becomes adopted into it's so ingrained in the culture that when you maybe not when you're uh, when you're in high school yourself because you're you're involved in the whole darwinian uh you know the survival of the most psychotic as tom henderson says 
but um, you know, when you want to cast yourself as a as a appealing figure, of course you were going to um, you're going to appeal to that paradigm, maybe. Um, but I think also the thing is that it it being a uh, being in high school, being a teenager is actually I think pretty hard for everyone, and everyone kind of has hints of that feeling of of that the entire world consists of clubs that they will never let you in. And even if you are in the, the, the clubs when there actually are official clubs, you kind of wonder whether they, whether you're really in or whether the joke is on you and that sort of, and that, that kind of thing, that doesn't end when you, you know, when you get out of high school, it still goes on. I talked, we talked to a, a young people who've read my book and who talk about and and the songs as well this i've had been having these conversations for 20 years with with uh with teenagers who've been listening have been listening to my songs reading my book and uh you know i have to tell them you know all this stuff that this whole this horrible stuff that you're uh that you're reading about and that you're commiserating about it just it doesn't stop actually <laughs> you know i mean no matter i mean maybe there's some weird sort of centered yoga people or whatever that figured out a way to attain perfect peace with their uh with their place in the world but um not me and i don't know anyone who has so i no, it's it's it's, i there's something there's there's there are there there's that kind of question like why is it why is it not fair (laughs) and you know and you know you that that comes up in your in your experience over and over and over again but maybe it's most intense and most easily written about when you're talking about high school you know Mm -hmm. um it's a it's a great topic especially since in high school you have so little control over what happens to you that you can pretty much never blame yourself is where once you get older you know you have to take some credit for the bad things that happen to you (laughs) That's a, that, yeah, no, that's a, that is a good point. That, uh, and, and because I'm the at that school, Zen point you're talking about right now. The, the, idea, <laughs> the, the, I, the, uh, the high school environment is also so self-contained. You know, it's, it's like, it's like a, it's at, I don't know, like Gilligan's Island or something. You know, it's like the entire society is represented by a pretty small number of, of uh, not very well-drawn characters. <laughs> in real life, then you have to, you know, it's, it's like, the, and, and, and the, the interactions are uh, maybe, you know, more intense uh, in, in that sense than in the greater society, because there's, there's not as much uh, possibility for anonymity, and uh, you can try to escape, but um, you never can really escape. <laughs> very sad, but that's the way it is. <laughs> so talking about this sort of thing and being stuck in high school, small groups, etc., why do you think that it's, this happens in the book, but also happens in real life, um, as far as I can remember? High schoolers are so type, they're so into typecasting themselves and others. You, ha- you ha- can't just, you know, look kind of hippie. You have to listen to the right music to go with it. How does that develop, do you think? And why do you think it's so hard for people to break out of a persona they even just adopted a week or two ago? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, because, um, you know, I... Maybe it has something to do with, you know, people want to have a way to understand things and to conceive of them, or to just to just to to take note of the environment without having to, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about it or analyzing it. So, and that is a pretty, I mean, you know, the dividing humanity or humanity as it's represented on high school, uh, dividing humanity into these sort of crude categories and then uh, sort of, I don't know, ridiculing them all or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's just probably have you, you, without that, uh, maybe it would just be too chaotic and uh, hard to, uh, hard to navigate. Um, but no, I don't know why that is. Um, maybe, or, you know, maybe it's just something that people, it's like a, I don't know, endemic uh, human quality to, uh, to categorize and and uh, and rank and uh, and so forth, uh, but you that that habit lives on in adult life as well. Certainly, <laughs> maybe more data, you know. Yeah, or maybe but, uh, you only hang out with people you like, so you never find out what your typecast is. 
um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I dread to think what I what um, what the what my enemies. Uh, what the, Your many enemies. The caricature my enemies have, are have. I'm sure I have MS. <laughs> um, I I would I would hate I would hate to see a picture of how you know see a picture of how others see you would, would always be scary. But you know. <laughs> That's what quizzes and ladies' magazines are for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should take some. I know exactly how my friends think of me. Um, so one of the great things about Tom and one of the reasons why I think so many, so many people identify with him is that he doesn't really seem to fit any specific um, stereotype. He does a little bit, I guess, but, you know, when you hang out yeah, with yeah, rock and rollers, yeah. 70s rock guy. And right. you get, you get the sense that he is aware that yes he's being typecast, but you get to see him as a person, and it's not something he really buys into. How did you develop him as a character? What was the inspiration for that character? You know, it's that's kind of funny because I, the the I don't know about the, what I don't know if I can answer what the inspiration was, but the beginning of it what came from when I was just trying to figure out how to start writing, and uh, I had this idea that maybe an actually this was suggested by my editor when I met before I she became my editor and I was saying I you know want to write the, this thing but I don't know what it's going to be I don't know how to start she said well you could should uh, you know you wrote a lot of songs maybe there's some material there that you could you know use as a starting point so I thought okay well I'll look at my songs and and I I chose the King Dork is a song that my that my band does and I from about 10 years ago and I, I thought that was one of the coolest sounding ones. And I thought, okay, there, there's a title. And it always helps to have a title. Um, I know that from, uh, from songwriting as well. It just it helps you focus. And then I thought, well, hey, why don't I just try to uh, use the same character that is narrating the song? And there, there's, I have lots of songs, but there's a, there are different clusters of songs that are point of view, uh, from the point of view of different, oh, you know, I didn't necessarily think of them as, fully drawn characters but there's a voice that is uh that there's several different voices that uh that narrate who narrate the songs so then i started thinking well if this the guy who is the the voice of the song king dork were to uh narrate his his world in uh, in novel form how would it be and then i had to do a lot of thinking about what it what it would be um and uh, and the, but then the second part of that the, that's the part I understand. The part I don't understand is this thing that I've heard other writers talk about, and it always seemed like uh, like baloney when I heard them say it. But it is kind of true that you, when you were writing, it's like an act of discovery. And it really did. Once I started writing, he, he kind of took on a life of his own that I'm not totally under. I'm totally, completely understand exactly how that happened or why that happened. But um, it, it, he, a lot of it was almost like, you know, not totally in my control. But he really did start to seem like a real guy, you know. Like after, I, it, that is another thing that just really kind of surprised me, that this, you know, character you make up seems like a real person. It's pretty weird. Well, I mean, it's a sign of a good writing, I suppose. Because you do think of him as a real character when you're reading the book. He reminded me of some people I knew in high school. Yeah, I was I, afraid I'm, to tell them to read the book, though, because I didn't want them to know I thought that of them. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you were such a cute little dork. Here you go. Uh, but <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you know, you never. I'm so did. desperate, so desperate for girls. And we all knew. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Um. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's, you know, I, that's another thing where even if you aren't the, even if you're at the king dork, even if you're the ultimate one of those, <laughs> um, I think that's like, uh, you'll, uh, the, you you'll find few guys who won't have have had some degree of that uh, in their uh, in their experience with uh, well with you know with sex and so forth um, at least mm-hmm. uh, even if they even if they fit into society really well you know um, but, but yeah I I am, I think that that the there's I mean, it's interesting to imagine people that I know reading it and trying to imagine what they will, what they would identify with. But it's been really like a, you know, pleasant surprise that people do seem to, you know, they they seem to to understand, they seem to get it. Which I've been 20 years doing stuff that 
very few people actually seem to get. So that's pretty cool. But just in generally, also that that they, I wonder, you know, how much of themselves they see in it. It's just hard to know because people have a secret self where they, you know, uh, uh, where they uh, define that kind of of uh, information about themselves, and you just wonder. Everyone, yeah, I thought, thought about, especially since I now I've, I've the book came out. It's gotten like newspapers and stuff, and I've been using my last name for the first time. Uh, I'm being contacted by people from every practically seems like everyone I went to elementary school and junior <laughs> high I'm and sorry, high school, even I'm kindergarten, sorry, contacting me. <laughs> and uh, so I wonder about each of them. It's like, okay, when they read this book, do they do they identify as a victim or a perpetrator? It's the same question you said before. It's like, well, how they can't all have, they can't all think they were me. So, <laughs> you know, like they're they're still the guy. What's the guy that the the, the uh, one of the mean guys in the in King Dork, Matt Lynch? No, Pat. Wait. Matt Lynch. Yeah, I think. Matt Lynch. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting the the, the, okay. the fake name of the real guy. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, you, he called you. <laughs> you just you wonder like what they're is someone post I I was writing I I have a weblog and. That, uh, and when it's working, people can leave comments. And um, and I, I, someone left a comment, or I saw it on someone else's blog, where where they were talking about the situation of running into your tormentors from high school, you know, as adults. And they're always really nice, and they all and they they seem to be completely unaware that they made your life a misery, um, or they just are too. They don't want to, you know, mention it, even though you're thinking of it. And then they, they will always say something like, I always really admired you. You were so <laughs> individual and so, uh, so creative. And, you know, it's like, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> you were, oh, you were yeah. like, with, you know, stand on the roof and throw rocks at me when I was, <laughs> when I was on my way to school. You know, it's like, Hey, I really admire this guy's creativity. Ah, got him <laughs> in the head, you know. It's like, well, they they were jealous of your creativity and they were trying to destroy it. Maybe see. I don't know how they knew about my creativity back then. <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, well, you know, you you look at your own past uh, as it as you as you want to see it in some ways, I guess. But uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I I can't sort through the the psychology of that particular uh, scenario. <laughs> actually had a tormentor experience. It wasn't really a tormentor, more like reciprocal tormenting, who now whenever I see him gives me hugs and apologizes profusely for hurting my feelings, um, which is interesting because really? I was like, you didn't hurt my feelings. I still hate you. <laughs> You're still lame. <laughs> I still don't like you, so I guess Wait, I'm the tormentor. How long is this ago? Oh, six. No. Oh, sorry. Ten years. Ten years. Wow, that's <laughs> it's a long time. I haven't seen him in a couple of years, so it's probably eight years. <laughs> did he do? Did he do the twelve steps? I don't know. He got frosted know, that's tips. The thing that happens. I don't know how old you are, but um, yeah, I'm 23, but, so it's t- way too early for twelve steps. When you start, when you turn 30, around then, and you and that's the first wave of people that start uh, the 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 you know precocious ones who started early are hitting rock bottom around then. Mm. You get. You'll get you start getting these calls of people that will apologize to you, and when it happened, when it started happening to me, I was like, "What the hell is going on? All these <laughs> people are calling it, you know." And then, cause, but and then I realized one of the steps is making amends, <laughs> where you have to go yeah. through and make a list of everyone that you've ever done wrong, and you have to apologize to them. So that's part of the that's part of the, the program. Yeah. So that's what happened. And then there was a wave at around 30, and then around 35, there's another wave. I guess it was a five-year process. <laughs> rock bottom. And uh, it's, there's six layers of di- people on the different timelines. But you get a lot of that. It's so I mean, but what, That's one of those things that when I figured it out, I, it just was such a simple explanation that explained so much. It's like, wow, this is just, ah, this is it. Hercule Poirot figured it out. Well, God, it was right there all along. If I had only been smart enough to notice the clues. Yeah, and you're just wondering all the time why suddenly people are thinking of you. Is yeah, your face yeah. turned up somewhere. I, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. And I've been, ca- I've been talking to so many people from my, from, or not talking to, uh, you know, but getting email mostly from a lot of people. I did some shows in, uh, in San Francisco, and a lot of 
peninsulans come. I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't aware that this was an identity before. But I grew up <laughs> in a place south of San Francisco that they refer to as down the peninsula, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, suburbs um, to the south of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, they and it's. I didn't. You know, everybody will come up to me now and say, hey, I guess I turned into the Peninsula guy and the voice of the Peninsula. Yeah. <laughs> so, Frank Portman, like, voice of the Peninsula here on WCBN FM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, hey, I'm from San Mateo. Hey, you know, we take over the world one peninsula at a time. <laughs> Michigan, you can take over this whole peninsula, both of them. Oh, you know, can't it's perfect. Wait. <laughs> Michigan is wide open territory. A lot of ground to cover. More, well, so more wide open. Then. This is the first step. You know. <laughs> So talking about playing um, at home and playing in your band, which is Mr. T Experience, for those of you listening who don't know, how did you draw from your own experience starting a band when writing about Tom? Because when I was reading this, one of my friends who I guess I'll let him go nameless because I don't want to offend anyone in his band, he'd call and say, oh my gosh, my drummer is always like a half beat off. I don't know what to do. Oh my God, we just came up with this great name for our band and someone else has it. And I'm reading this, you know, King Dork. And I'm like, hmm, that happened to this boy. And just laughing out yeah. loud. And then I go to their MySpace page and the bass player, it says, you know, the bass player's name. And then it says bass, comma, eye candy. And I just about fell on the floor. Because I was just like, oh yeah, my it, I think that, that, is, that is a, that is a, re- the, the thing that is most interesting and most of a, it's a relief and it's the most gratifying about that angle of things is how, that has not changed one <laughs> smidgen since I was uh, in since I was you know trying to have imaginary bands when I was in high school. <laughs> and this is the difference between the imaginary bands and the real band, the quote real band that you mm-hmm. have. Even when you you know put out records and stuff, it's not all that different. That's the big surprise of growing up is you realize, wow, my notebook band that was all made up and my real band that like has real members and instruments and records and goes on tours makes exactly the same amount of money. Um, but <laughs> well, because you're not spending as much for your imaginary band, right? Yeah, well, your imaginary band costs nothing but time, I guess. <laughs> but you're, you're, uh, but then there's a lot of aggravation involved in your quote real band. But that's it's not it's, it's a it is so I was genuinely shocked when my when I you know my book came out and I thought I was I thought some someone has to have exploited this as a uh, before this, this, the whole complex of the notebook bands and the, everything you're talking about, every the, all of the the way the whole tradition of doing that, and I said I don't, I've never seen it exactly addressed before, and I kept thinking someone was going to read my book and point it out, you know, oh this was this is, echoes this other book, and I'd find out about it, and then you know, but it really seems like nobody thought of doing that before. I mean, I think some of it, I've read some books of young adult fiction that talk a lot about bands and it seems pretty realistic, but they're mostly, think, you know, for instance, like The Lullaby by Sarah Dessen. Um, it seems pretty realistic, the dynamics of the band and such, but it's more like college age, like traveling around during the summer and staying in houses. And it reminds me of people that I know now, but uh-huh. there's no like beginning of the band and it's from a girl's perspective. So it's more like, oh, they're not even that good, but I have to go see them anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, right. is more my experience. Yeah, well, see, that, that's also interesting <laughs> because, they, they, um, you know, I, that, I, I really love that book, Just Listen. Um, but it, that, is, that is such a, I mean, you know, the, 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 there you go, normal people, you know? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> that I, can't, I can't quite relate to actually all the way. It's one of the reasons why it's kind of interesting to read about them. But, um, Owen wasn't a normal person. No, he was. He no, he wasn't. But it wasn't his. But he gets a normal, pretty girlfriend. She's at least semi-hot, right? So it's no, it's exactly. a different perspective of the same thing. Right, but I'm, <laughs> it's not, it, we're we're not reading it from his perspective. Yeah, you know? we're reading it from the from the perspective of a of a normal person who's taking him in, mm-hmm. which is it. You know, that's interesting as well. But um, yeah, I I think I a lot of times they'll use rock. Uh, I mean, I, just listen doesn't doesn't do that because it's a char- that's a character, it's a ca- part of the characterization his mm-hmm. music. But a lot of times they will use they will use musical references and rock culture things uh, to try to uh, fake uh, authenticity, mm-hmm. like to say this is what. So I'm just so just in case you're thinking, oh well, this this doesn't sound like a kid from 
2003, I'm going to put in a lot of M&M references. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I find that really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know, it's just like, that is not what's interesting about <laughs> music and pop culture. It's not like all of the, the uh, you know, the names. It's not name dropping. It's, it's like it's a thing that sweeps people up and then they, they, it, it kind of influences their life. So they do things a little differently than if it wasn't there, you know, and that's what's interesting about it. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's, I know my book has got um, a little, a little bit of criticism of it from some people with the, you know, with this, I, where they're always looking for things to, there's a certain type of reader that will try to spot, you know, problems, inconsistencies as their main point of reading. And people do that with movies too, you know, it's like, wow, there's no way that there would have been that model of, of Chevy Impala in mm-hmm. 1972, because you know it's like there's a big mistake, like the director screwed up, and so there, there's there's that kind of complaint about my book where they where they say that there's no way that a kid in 1999 would know about Foghat or would be interested in this or and and my my first answer to that is that um, whether or not it's quote believable if it if it mainly the main thing is if it works it works if you didn't think it worked that's okay but it's like you know if you you have to uh you enter the world of of the novel as it's set up and and you you know sort of go according to its parameters but the other um the other thing is that uh i just don't know um i'm really actually surprised to get what to get that comment because it's very easy to find out about fog hat yeah definitely day and age um, especially I think now, even versus when I was in high school, it's so much easier to find out about music because, I mean, you could go on the internet and look for things, but there weren't these centralized places to look, you know? So I'd be like, I love Helium. And then I go to their website and like try and figure out what, what bands were like them and then hate all of them. And it took me, you know, getting to a college radio station to like find things that I liked because uh-huh. it was all there as where, you know, now you can just go to Pitchfork and be like... Oh, I mean, not that I think Pitchfork is this thing that everyone should trust in case you're listening and you're going to Pitchfork right now, but, you know, they get it right most of the time, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, there, you know, you got to take everything you, you, you pick up on the Internet with a little bit of skepticism from the source. But uh, I, the, that was another, another thing that was, that was discussed when we were, you know, getting ready to, to publish this thing was, you know, well, the, you know, are the kids going to get these references, you know? And it's like if they, if they I, I, I wrote it so that you, I, at least I hope, that you wouldn't necessarily have to. I mean, part of Tom's point is that he, that he's, uh, he thinks of his references as very uh, sort of elevated in the, in it, by their obscurity, although they're not actually that obscure in real life. Mm. But so that was one of the reasons why we decided to, where, you know, where we, we did a glossary of some things so that there'd be a way for people to look up but it's that's just a very old-fashioned way of looking at things because of course someone doesn't know what fog out is they all they just google it yeah you google it like while you're reading you know mm-hmm. you're reading turning the pages with one hand googling with the other okay so how did you choose the books and music that are featured in king dork um it, you know it's in, that is another interesting thing because it's one of those kind of i just you just went, it, in, went as you went? I, w- I was in the, you know, mode of writing from the character's point of view, and mm-hmm. then just kind of whatever randomly popped up is what it was. There's a lot, there's some, like, kind of off-the-wall, inconsistent things, mm-hmm. which I think is real, too. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, uh, and, but the, it's interesting because I really, while I was writing, I was, I made a playlist on my iPod of, of like, what, I, what was called uh, T. Henderson playlist and of all of the the music that i that he would have been listening to Mm -hmm. and and i listened to it while i was editing and i listened to it a lot and i sort of got into such the habit of that that i that um, even though i mean i i do i i i don't i don't disagree with his taste although it's narrower than mine but um i and i did i i love the who i love this i love i even love rick derringer but like i i got to the to the point where I sort of listened to it so much that is now is my preferred music to listen to. <laughs> I, I put on I, I 
I realized the other day that I had been listening to the first Boston album way too much, <laughs> and I sort of adopted it as a kind of a you know the you know the concept of comfort food. Yeah. You know, it's comfort music. Yeah. Like I and I never liked it at the time. I mean, I always said you know that was very 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 normal people music when I was mm-hmm. a kid, but um, you know I somehow I. I, the, the reason the, there was an, a novelty at the beginning because I had never actually listened to it all the way through. Mm-hmm. I just heard songs, and then after the the novelty and the irony kind of like fell away, and it was just this warm embrace. <laughs> the warm embrace of Boston. Uh, of Boston. So I, it's possible some some bad things can happen to you when you <laughs> when you start uh, you know there's writing a, characters and stuff. There's nothing wrong with Boston. At all, just because something's popular doesn't make it bad. Like your book, your book is popular. Your book is not that indie, so maybe I should never have read it. No, I I agree (laughs) with you, but 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 I mean, Boston is one of those things that uh, I mean, I I I agree. I listen to it all the time, but um, it's one of those things that that is for a for a large number of people, it's symbolized and still continues sometimes to symbolize everything that is wrong with. uh, with music, I'm not sure there are worse examples. I would say there are worse examples. I mean, take Limp Biscuit maybe, but at the time... Oh, but they're forgettable. Boston, actually, you have to have good songs for people to remember why you were bad 30 years later. That's the way I feel. <laughs> you know, you know what? that is very well put. <laughs> that is excellent. Because, yeah, I mean, memorably memorably awful is is actually exactly. pretty great. Exactly. Like, so many awful bands don't remember what they... I don't remember what Limp Biscuit sounds like, and that well, was, like, my you, heyday. Not that I liked them, but... I have a selective memory. So speaking of things that are popular becoming bad by the nature of being popular and bad enough to remember, why did you choose to send up Catcher in Their Eye? And was that a Catcher, um, a reference point for your plotting or characterizations or just sort of for as a touchstone for the plot and discovering it, his it, father? Well, you know, there's lot, lots of different ways to uh, to look at that. I mean, just as a... it <clears throat> It is... It, uh, as this, it's a way for uh, for the, for Tom to um, express his his uh, sense of of alienation from like you know modern popular culture. He uses that as a symbol of the the of you know of mainstream popular culture and the you know the the tastes of the baby boomers and so forth. And um, so, and since that's a big, <clears throat> that's a big sub theme. It's good to have a, a way to tie it all in, both as the writer and also from the point of view of the character. That's what he. That's how he uses it. Um, how I thought about doing that <clears throat> was um, that <clears throat> it was actually I, I had the idea that he was going to read uh, his the books owned by his deceased father first before I thought of including the catcher in the rye. And one of the things I did uh, was I went around to, um, like, yard sales and some uh, junk stores and everything and just kind of looked at the books that had stuff written in them. And I noticed uh, that The Catcher in the Rye almost always had something written in it. And that people used to carry it around. People it was used to be that, you know, and they still do to a degree. And that's when I I thought, oh, you know, there, there's what if there was something really interesting written in this, and that was how the little uh, plot structure thing um, emerged. But it was like by in the course of my uh, kind of weird research into the other plot structure thing. Um, also, not just of Catcher, but there's a strong awareness of cliches of teen entertainment and storytelling, and also um, the sort of things that teens are taught. Were there any other specific reference points you were thinking of trying to be like or make fun of or not be like while you were writing? Um, I'm not sure I understand. Oh, that. so, you know, making, f- for instance, you know, hello, God, it's me, Margaret, please oh, shut no. up. Um, were there any other sort of things that you were referencing um, that were important throughout the book besides Catcher in the Rye? Or was that pretty much the? Well, thing? I mean, all of the, um, you know, he he it, he, he wants to he wants he's he has a, he reads the books with a chip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. even though he also has a, a good uh, he has a he has he has a sort of a, a positive and a negative spin on the activity, but he you know he wants to find evidence for uh, 
the for um the you know uh, for a general indictment of his parents' generation and the irony of course is that that culture is predicated on the idea of rebellion and mm-hmm. so you know obviously i mean i hardly need to say it that's a very obvious uh, little uh, thing that's going on there um and all all the, the i mean I, I there's another the, the i'm not sure if you're, you're asking like how i how the I guess literary and pop culture references were chosen. Um, more like, say you're you're in this landscape and you're thinking about where to put your book, and you have all these reference points of pop, sort of pop culture icons that pop into your head. What were the reference points? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I just it was it was I guess maybe um, as far as how they came uh, they how those particular ones popped up. If I didn't have a reason, a specific reason, you can tell the ones that are significant because they're used mm-hmm. a lot like catcher in the rye um it was you know uh more just channeling the character although i i did i think that you know there that he that re- referencing some of the of the uh the the ya what was called ya back then um uh, uh ya literature of the previous generation born of the 60s is also another uh thing because I'm writing a YA novel now so there's like a contrast there you know he, he references Harriet Spy and um, Judy Bloom and, mm-hmm. and so forth um, you, you know he, he, everything he does is kind of to try to set himself off from from uh, uh, various from, from the every, the complex of of, uh, of other cult the other you know, cultural uh, um, complexes and so uh, I but I didn't I, I don't know. I didn't have. I, maybe I didn't have as much of a, a total, all-encompassing plan as <laughs> your question implies. That's okay. You, could, you should have pretended, though. Probably. I, I tried to, and then <laughs> you've had plenty of time to practice. I realized, like, you know what? This is not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tom definitely sets himself up as sort of a, a critic, a bystander, but. Um, one of the reasons why I think so many people have enjoyed this book and have written such great things about it is that he still has a lot of pathos because he identifies with other people. He cares about other people. How did you try to balance that sort of, you know, hipster away from the world criticism of everything with, you know, loving his family in a way that mostly in YA fiction, we don't see the kind of not necessarily normal, but moderately healthy relationships between siblings and, and parents Right. That, that some people pointed that out before that the that the, uh, the uh, relationship between Tom and his sister is kind of um, unusual uh, in in teen fiction because there, uh, I you know I I there I think part of what's, what was going on with that was that um, I you know I I was trying to do something you know you want to write a, a book that's in a that is in a tradition that is the long and tradition with lots of examples you wanted to make it. Uh, set it apart from so it's not like every other book ever written but you also there are these tropes that you inherit and so the the coolest thing to do with that is to manipulate them and kind of have fun with them and play with them so there's there's certain cliches that are that you know in in the in the the characters in the book and then tom's sort of internal monologue kind of get turned side turned inside out a little bit but i i think that um you know that depicting uh, sort of humanity underneath the cynicism is very kind of hard to do, even though it's, uh, it is what real life is like. And uh, so I, I wanted, I mean, I, I did try pretty hard. I mean, the, the relationship between him and his stepfather is, um, was actually kind of hard to, to get right because I, I, I wanted... I wanted to to depict it as the both of the the affection and the disdain are kind of not they're they're part of the same uh, rope, you know, all like twisted and uh, mixed up in each other. And it's a lot easier just to go to the extremes, and which you know, of course, my book does in certain cases with certain characters in certain situations. Um, but uh, when it comes to the human parts of it, I mean, I think uh, you know, I. I you know, the most cynical person still has some human being in him, usually. 
it's just hard to get to or maybe showcase. Yeah, well, they, they can, sometimes people can hide it pretty well. And, you know, if you, if you were to meet Tom, you, you would have no idea that he uh, harbors a, a sort of um, uh, weird uh, affection for his hippie stepfather. You know? <laughs> it's like you, only, you know about it because you hear him talking in his head, but it's not like he's going to go around telling you. <laughs> um, I guess when I'm asking this question, most of the books that I read that are YA or teen fiction or whatever are for girls. So they have this totally opposite end of the relationship spectrum in terms of what they're showing. But uh-huh. what do you make of Tom's attitude towards girls and your presentation of adult and teen relationships in the book? Why did you choose to present things that way? I guess I'm just really used to people like getting a girlfriend or a boyfriend at the end of a book, which maybe doesn't really matter to guys so much, but... No, I think it does matter to guys, but I think it's like it's it's one of those. I mean, he gets the blowjob, so you know, right, it's close right. enough, right? I mean, From two yeah. girls. <laughs> I mean, I think I, you know. I mean, that's not that's that's yeah. He doesn't do too badly. <laughs> it but, does better I mean, than most. I think that I I did, I did, I wanted it to. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a there's all sorts of ways that that where the the pro there certain things do resolve, but. Lot of as you know, if you've read it, lots of stuff does not is not sorted out at the mm-hmm. end. And I really that was like one of that was extremely ex, like a really important part of of doing it. And all that the relationships uh, the relationship stuff ends in in confusion on every front. And I think that <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, <laughs> I, that sums it up for me. Not just high school, but on <laughs> into adult life. Um, you know. But uh, I think no, I think uh, it is important for guys to to um, to get a girlfriend, and I think that you know that a lot of guys are walking around, uh, you know, sort of like saying over and over again, "Why can't I get? Why can't I get a girlfriend? I can't get I don't have a girlfriend." I want a girlfriend. <laughs> but you know, it does I mean, and and you, it is satisfying when you read a, a conclusion to um, an angsty book when they finally do get the girl or whatever. Um, but uh, I think in in the in a, in I don't say in real life that's that sounds kind of hackneyed, but in it we understand that you know that we actually experience things like that. It's like a lot more complicated than hey, I just I got a girlfriend. It's like <laughs> you know who else's girlfriend is she? Or how come? <laughs> or why doesn't come? she ever call me her boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, just, it never, you, you never reach the point where it's all completely satisfactory. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> I mean, but it's true that I have, I, that, that, uh, I, I think it is, you know, if you want to try to play the game of deciding how realistic it is, um, uh, then, I think it is pretty realistic that that version, especially when you're just starting out in it to, you know, to be, uh, uh, to have that kind of relationship uh, or to aspire to them. I think it is pretty, you know, accurate. And I think that it's kind of hard to write things that way and you run the risk of people, you know, being disappointed and not liking it. (laughs) Um, And, and so I, you know, I, and I, I think that's the, the, that's one of the challenges of this book is sort of uh, getting yourself to the point where you can get that, where you can say, yeah, okay, that, 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 you know, these these troubles go on, and um, <laughs> you know, and wrapping it up, uh, you know, either a either a, a disaster or uh, or heaven is, you know, a, a big, huge disaster or heaven is unlikely to be the the result. Really, it's sort of just kind of creeps along at its own confusing, misshapen, uh, well, misshapen, that's a bad word to use, its own confusing pace. Um, you know what I'm saying? Hmm? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so moving on to, you know, your experience with the book itself and not writing it, how is your book tour going? What sort of responses are you getting? Are you happy with them? You're getting lots of Mr. T experience fans showing up and being like, "I love you, man." Love you. I, I, I yes, I do have a lot of that. <laughs> it's all it's fun. I mean, it's been going. I mean, we it's not a real full-on book tour. It's I've just been doing things here and there because there just hasn't been a budget for a tour. Um, and you know, the thing about book tours is other unlike the other kind of tour, they actually you know 
you don't get any money for the shows. That, that's hard. To, it's still hard to get <laughs> in my head, you know. You play at the store, and it's like, okay, now's the time when you go to the But you do get money because it's like the, the merch table is like the whole thing, right? No, it's right. No, they, I mean, you want people, and the more books they buy, the better it is, and it's great to do it. But it does, like, actually cost you money to go around doing these things if you don't get <laughs> subsidized or you don't get the dinner buyout or mm-hmm. whatever. You don't get the... the um, the 40% of the door, because there is no door. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. It, the, I just cannot even tell you how awesome it is to get such a, a great response to, to this book, because uh, I've, you know, I've had sort of a lot of, I've put out a lot of records that, um, you know, sort of haven't gotten any reaction, you know, so it's kind of, it's cool. And it's, it, it's that the, uh, they're, you can tell when you do these things. There's, you know, there's the there's the punk rock people, you know, the the fans of, of my band. There's the book people. There's the teen book people. There's the library. I mean, it's like you can you can see the different, uh, you know, subcultures of there's the the Venn diagram that has you know appreciators of King Dork that <laughs> like view them all all these little circles that are uh, that are out there. But um, yeah, it's it, it, it's been great. Maybe you'll get even more crossover. That would be great. A crossover of... Yeah, of, you know, different kinds of fans learning about each other, learning to love each yeah, other. Right, no, that is, that is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I'm interested to see what happens when some of the book people actually do get around to listening to my to my songs, because I don't know that... I, mean, I think if you like my music, you would. it's pretty much certain that you would at least stand a chance of getting this book but i don't know if it would work the other way around i don't know you'd have to it's just i guess it's a style thing but you can't i don't know you'd have to see i'm not the person to ask because you know i was a little punk rocker so yeah yeah, i I wouldn't know if musical taste would turn you off but um so what other young adult teen whatever books are you into right now and where do you think this um scene is going because it seems like you're really happy to be a part of it yeah, oh, definitely I am. I think it's great. Um, it's a, it's, and I always have. I was a fan of the, of it when I, you know, from when I was a, a kid through, uh, through now of the of the YA genre. Um, I uh, like the contemporary ones that I that I really that stand out to me. I really I really love Fat Kid Rules the World. Um, that was a couple years ago, right? I think so. Um, you know that one? Yeah, I'm not sure when it came out, though. It just didn't yeah. come out that recently. I read yeah, it recently, It was like though. a few years on it. And, you know, Looking for Alaska was great. Um, uh, I'm interested in the, his, his second one that's not out yet, that mm-hmm. spent the galleys have been going around. Is, mm-hmm. Everyone says it's really great. Abundance of Catherine, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, what else is it? I really loved Just Listen. I thought it was... I really, that really just totally drew me in, um, even though I, I don't imagine I'm, the, I'm its typical type of reader. Um, mm. You know, I, I read, I read, the, I, you know, you, you, I, I like a lot of, I like a lot of things. Those are the ones that are, that just popped in my head just now. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a, you know, I, I, I read a lot more YA fiction now that I'm participating in it, you know, than I have in the last, in the few years before. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm trying to understand what's going on with it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's great, and I think it's a really, there's a, the fact that they publish King Dork at all is, is sort of a reflection of how uh, much is, how sort of vibrant that sector of publishing is, because it's such an unusual and quirky thing that I, you know, I, the, the, I think that it would be a re- much harder sell to an adult publisher they're they're a lot more conservative, mm-hmm. and there's a kind of excitement about the YA, uh, you know, within the publishing industry and you know, from librarians and schools and everything. There's like kind of you sort of feel like something's happening. You're on a moving train. You know, people are, you know, experimenting with, you know, things, and you know, sometimes you'll have a like like in my case, you'll have this sort of fluke breakout kind of oddball uh, title that will. Uh, you know, just like there's there's a lot going on, and it's fun to be involved with it. Um, and real quick, uh, what are some of your future projects that you're working on now, or thinking about working on? I'm working on a um, my and what is meant to be my second novel, 
uh, now. It's it's going slow, but it, it is going, and uh, it's um, uh, it's the the title is Andromeda Klein. It's 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 a it's about girls, um, which is maybe one of the reasons why it's I have to be a little more careful with the writing, <laughs> um, you know, because I have to. It's, more, it's to be more powerfully imagined or something. Um, <laughs> and uh, but I, you know, the reason why I decided to do that is I, I really didn't want to be, to have my uh, my literary career begin with two identical books. <laughs> and sometimes that happens. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to just have the same character with a different name or whatever. So uh, that's my the one I'm working on now that I'm is is if I finish it is going to be the second novel. And then I my plan for after that is to actually do a. a uh, sequel to King Dork um, then that one is pr- probably going to be titled uh, King Dork Approximately and I'm pretty sure it's just going to pick up like right the second where the the King Dork ends like which I think would be kind of cool I don't know how often that is done but just like you know the, oh, you right ever there. read the like A-list and all the like um, sort of trade paperback Throwaway series, they're all like that. Exactly, really. So that's a bummer. Well, you know, but I so I haven't read those. I it's not. I'm definitely not their target. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, maybe I am. About them. So really, it's it's like the like one novel will end. Oh, the novels take like a day. Like there's there's the A list is this one that I just recently read. My co-host who isn't here right now is really into these more so than I am. So I kind of pick up from her what's going on. Um, I read the first one and then I get to the end and I'm like, that was like two days, <laughs> you know? And of course you get like, it's a boyfriend. We tell these new friends, everything in two days. Uh-huh. And then I pick up the next book and I'm thinking it'll be like, you know, something else. It's not right the second. It's like two weeks later <laughs> and then it uh-huh. takes two days. <laughs> it's just oh. like, okay, yeah. fine. I'm like, I can't finish the series cause she's not going to graduate from high school until I'm 35. Uh, right. you're going to have to read, <laughs> read like, like, I'm already too old for this. I'm already ashamed to walk around with it, and yeah. this is not gonna happen. <laughs> oh Lord! Yeah. Well, well, um, I'm. Nevertheless, I think that's what I'm going to do, even if people accuse me of ripping you don't off have to, the A-list. No one will accuse you of ripping them off. They'll say, you know, this technique is usually used in a fashion that makes me weep with, you know, sickness and at the state of fiction. But then this man, this wonderful man, saved it for us. That's what they'll wonderful say. Man, <laughs> this wonderful man. <laughs> Just wait till you hear the intro to this interview. I'm speaking to this wonderful man <laughs> with a beautiful soul. <laughs> <laughs> You're a wonderful man with a beautiful soul. But you know what? You've touched me. I have grown. Because you have a beautiful soul. It's open. <laughs> I, God, wow. No one's ever said that before. I, mean, I guess maybe someday someone will say it without laughing hysterically. <laughs> okay, well, I'll leave on that on the note of your being a beautiful soul. So it can't get yeah, much better no, than that. Thank you so thank much. You so I, much. This was I great. Mean, for doing the interview. Not you know. I'm, I'm glad that you... <laughs> that thank you, you so I, much. Soul, uh, appealing... <laughs> Um, but no, thanks for being interested in interviewing me. 